Good morning. I'm so thankful to be here with all of you this morning with so many friends and future friends, let's say. Um, my, again, my name's Sarah. My family and I, almost 11 years, as Lauren had said, we have five daughters and currently one little foster guy who's over in kids' church. Um, yeah, and we love this house. If you're new to Midtown, I want you to know that this is a place that will center you on Jesus every week when you come. Um, I, there's no place on Sunday mornings I would rather be than here at the house at Midtown, New Life Midtown. So I'm glad you guys are here. Um, she also mentioned I've led the women's ministry, Kindred, for the past couple years, which is a role I absolutely love. There's just such a grace on the women of this house to connect and to serve and to care for the women around them. So if you have not been to Kindred, if you're one of those women who are like, oh, women's ministry, um, you've had your experiences of, I won't say things like tea parties. We just had a tea party, but you know what I mean. Uh, it was a cool tea party. Um, then I encourage you, just come. Just come, get involved. You will find a really unique and wonderful group of women. Um, another thing that we have as women's ministry is on Monday nights, we have women's prayer here at the church. Men meet as well two mornings a week, I believe, Wednesdays and Friday mornings for prayer as well. This past Monday, we invited the men to join us for our time of prayer, and it was amazing. We had over 30 people come um, to just pray and come to the Lord, to pray over our leaders here, to pray over the coming year for this house, and just pray over things the Lord put on our heart, and it was an amazing time. Um, and in that time, Everett Ford pulled out this scripture in Isaiah 6. And I'd like us to start there this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Isaiah chapter 6. I love this powerful, cool scripture that um, it starts with, verse 1, in the, year of King Uzziah, the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on, high and lofty, on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook and at the sound of their, vo at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who shall I send? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And there are several things about this scripture that stood out to me. The first is kind of a little commercial because it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, was the fact that the seraphim, rather than praising God and singing, holy, holy are you, Lord, they sang it to each other. And I was like, huh. Um, that's interesting, you know, because they're like right there by him, you know. And when we worship, we're like, hey, God, you're so great. But he, they were telling it to each other. And I read this a couple weeks ago, and here's the commercial. For those of you who have kids, um, I have kids from 3 right now to 15. And during the worship service, it is inevitable that they will, Mom, Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, hold me. I'm only 65 pounds, you know, things like this. 
Um, and I'm like, Jesus, I love you. I want to just sing these words and listen to the music. And the Lord used the scripture. A couple weeks ago, I started singing the words to my kids when they would interrupt me and talk to me. And it just made this worship service like this relational community family moment in these times when I was like, I just want to worship Jesus, you know? So um, that's my commercial. That's, but that is not what I'm talking about today. The other thing that I noticed was the fact that Isaiah is talking about his unclean lips. This guy ran his mouth before this moment in ways that were not great. And then in, the mom- in a moment, God atones for his sin. He comes, he sees, has revelation of the Lord. His sin is atoned for. And immediately, he's like, oh, you need somebody to talk? You can use me. It wasn't hesitation because he knew he had a tendency to, there wasn't this waiting period of, oh, woe is me. You know, I've been so bad. It was like, okay, let's go. I'm ready. I believe Jesus cleanse me. What was dark is now light. Um, and he stepped down in it. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed, um, I got so excited about that one that I forgot, was that when, when God, oh, yeah, when Jesus was like, who am I going to send? So often in Scripture when we read stories like about Moses and David, Samuel comes and anoints him and says, you're going to be the king with Moses, burning bush, go. With Isaiah, it wasn't God saying, hey, I need a voice, you go. Isaiah was like, I'm here. I heard your heart, Lord. I hear what you want, and I'm, I'm going to, I'll go. I'll, if you need somebody, I'm willing. And this was still obedience, right? A lot of times we think obedience is I hear the orders and I go. It's this mundane thing. But with the Lord, it's completely relational. There's no obedience outside of relationships. That's compliance. That's not obedience. That's just walking. Uh, we've got some military men in here, and, and I'm going to try. I am not... We're borderline pacifists, if I'm 100% honest. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. So <laughs> when a guy gets into the army and they're saying, hey, do 50 push-ups, they're not saying, hey, let me tell you why we're telling you to do 50 push-ups. We want to build your stamina, blah, blah, blah. They're not saying, hey, we're sending you to this city because, you know, they're not always like, it's, these are orders. But with the Lord, it's not just hear my, it's not just do what I said. It's hear what I'm saying. Hear my heart. Hear what I want you to see. See what I see. Let me bring you into my big story. Um, And that's what I see in Isaiah. I see this new picture of obedience where there are times when we hear the Lord and he says, do this, don't. There is plenty of that. Do not get me wrong. But I think that in the heart behind obedience is God's desire for us to see what he sees, to bring us into partnering with him not just following orders. That's, obedience is not a ball and chain. Obedience is a gift to us. It is another place of freedom. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this word obedience, just a little trivia, is, means to hear God. If we look at it in the Old Testament, the word shema is hear God. There's not actually a word for obey. It's hear God. But there's this implication that when we hear God, if we trust him, We're going to do what he says. If we believe he is who he says he is, we're going to do what he says. So the obedience is kind of implied, right? In the New Testament, same thing. The word, there's a couple Greek words that I will not try to botch, but they both mean to hear into or to hear under. So this, this word isn't do what I say. It's here, here, be with me. It requires relationship and being in God's presence to be a part of it. Um, So sometimes... (laughs) Uh, I just added this last minute, but I, we're fo- we've been foster parents for six, six years or so, and we're fostering again 
um, for a period of time. And I will, we've led support groups, and I've had foster parents come and talk to me about times. And foster parenting is hard. If you know foster parents, bring them dinner. Not Well, we're fine. I have freezer meals. But bring them dinner. Help them out. Um, but they will come to me, and they'll be like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can follow through. I don't know if I can do this another day. I am tired. I am beat. And I will say to them, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can quit right now. And there are things in your life that you have taken in obedience to God and you've said, I have to do it. I have to do it. I don't want to do this. But God isn't making you do anything. Your, God's, the blood of Jesus isn't reliant on your role and the things you're doing. The blood of Jesus is reliant on our, the atonement of Jesus Christ, the coal that has touched our lips. Amen? Um, so and every time they're like, oh, no, I'm going to keep doing it. This, you know, I'm good. <laughs> but um, just know that there are things, life is, God has not called you to bear the burden. He's called you to partner with him. Amen? Amen. So there's this other word. It's called poietes. No, it is not a Mexican dish. Um, and this is the word that God uses in Ephesians chapter 2 to describe the way we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So this word created is poietes, and it means that God has used his fullest creative abilities to achieve something. There's another place that this is used, and it's in James 1, through 25. I'd like you to turn there with me. Okay, and it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. And this word doer is poietes. It means that when we are doing for God, we are putting in our fullest creative power to see God's kingdom come to this earth. It implies some things, though. It implies that if we're going to be doers of the word, what do we need to know? We need to know the word. So we need to be spending time in God's word and knowing him, knowing his character, knowing how he operates in order to um, walk in that. And it it requires something else. And I'm not going to be talking much about this this morning, but it requires knowing how to hear God's voice. One way we can clear out the noise is through things like fasting, like we're starting today. But in the Bible, when we see people doing radical things, they heard the Lord tell them where to go and what to do. So I know it's safe to say, read the Bible, do the Bible. And that is true, 100%. God will not do, ask you to do things that are contrary to his character in the word. But at the same time, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have a great gift and tool in being able to hear his voice and know what he's saying to us in our specific situations and every day um, of the week. So, amen. Um, Yeah, so it implies that we know the word, not just, I mean, there's do's and don'ts, but we need to know God's character and know his heart. I feel like, yeah. So, however, as we look at the, the story of Isaiah, we see that he didn't just know God's word, he experienced his presence. Because when we experience his presence, we become more like him. And then we're able to represent him well. Amen? Amen. I do not regret any minute that I've spent hiding in the closet away from my kids in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. But seriously, if you take time, if you make sacrifices, take care of your kids, y'all. If you take time and you make sacrifices, if you wake up early in the morning and it hurts, it will be worth it. You will not regret it. Amen? So let's do what we need to do. If you skip Starbucks for 21 days, when those 21 days are over, you will not regret it. Amen? Uh, so doers use the agency and power that they have been divinely given to submit who they are and what they do to what God says. Doers aren't satisfied with hearing and knowing truth. Their faith, their hopeful expectation of what God has promised causes them to use their creative ability to catapult them into action. When we see things that provide us the opportunity for our hope to be made visible to the earth through our love and through our action, that's when we put our fullest creative ability into seeing God's kingdom brought to this earth. Amen. Amen. So my husband, we kind of started this non-official tradition of getting large puzzles during uh, Christmas break, sometimes during summer break. Last year, we got a giant, intricate puzzle of Lambeau Field. Go Packers. Um, this year, we got this Amazon Black Friday deal of a Parisian scene. And my husband likes puzzles. I have some kids who like puzzles. I hate puzzles. I hate sitting there looking at these weird images of little pieces of cardboard and thinking I'm going to spend hours trying to figure out where they belong. And not, like, not just the piece, but the side of the piece. It's not fun for me. But my husband enjoys it. He'll sit there and be like, yeah, let's do this. Um, he has his coffee, has his podcast. You know, he'll be going. And I think that it's kind of a picture of obedience because when my husband sits down at a puzzle, he's like, okay, I'm going to work on these pieces and I'm determined to see this happen, the two pieces I have right now, because I've seen the big picture. I've seen the story. And I feel like this is what God desires our obedience to look like. He desires to show us through his word and through his Holy Spirit the big picture of what he's doing and what he's called us to. Hey, it's in here, guys. Um, the redemption, the final redemption, the things God's promises to us to come and restore all things, no more tears, no more sickness. It's all in here. And he's, he's given us this picture so that as we're working to see his kingdom come on this earth, we can work with two pieces of blue sky and 100 pieces of blue sky knowing that there is a big picture that maybe it seems like a mundane work to sit with our kids and read Bible stories. But these pieces and these pictures are working towards a greater story that God has called us into. Um, so, yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so the differences between obedience and compliance, which I've already alluded to this. Compliance allows us to be passive. We hear and we do. It's robotic. It's impersonal. But unlike compliance, obedience to God is the fruit of the work he's done in our lives and in our relationship with him. I was talking to somebody this week about hearing the voice of the Lord, and they're like, how do you hear God? And it's changed as my walk with the Lord has progressed. In the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I would journal. I mean, I still journal, but I would journal, and God would speak to me just very clearly about specific things. And now I, that happens sometimes, but sometimes it's just knowing God's character and the things that he's taught me throughout my story that have helped me to know how and where he leads me. Um, it's relationship. It's all built like it's the relationship has built. Similar to the way we are with our husbands and wives. There are times when I can say, oh, no, Seth says, Seth will say no. Or Seth will say yes. Because I've spent 
17 years with my husband to know um, his character and his personality and the things that are um, the way that he is. So compliance ignores the uniqueness of the individual or the community, and it generalizes what our actions should be. But obedience recognizes the unique individual gifts and passions that you have and the burdens that he has given us as a body and us as individuals, and it invites us to them to play a part in this big, beautiful, restorative work that God is doing on the earth. So God invites us into obedience to free us from the realm of concern. That's my next point. And I feel like this morning as I was praying for us, I felt like some of us are here this morning and we are bogged down. I mean, there are times I I'm fit this bill as well by the needs of adulting, by the needs of my family, by the, the news I'm hearing from every corner of the earth, right? Um, from sicknesses, fear of the tri, what is it? The three diseases that are going to kill us all. No. Um, <laughs> But all the things, I mean, there is opportunity for concern if we allow our minds and our hearts to sit and think about it, to be in this world. But the call of obedience invites us out of this realm of concern and into the presence of the Lord where we can hear what he is saying. We hear his voice. Obedience. Hear him. Hear what he has to say. Amen. So there's this story just following Isaiah's commission in Isaiah chapter 7. And I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, But Isaiah goes to King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of the southern territory of Israel. This is a time when it's split. So there's Judah and there's Israel. And there's also the Assyrians, the really bad guys in Syria. And Assyria is coming after the northern territory in Syria. They're like afraid. And they ask Judah, this King Ahaz, who is a bad guy. Most of the time, they're a bad guy, right? If you've read anything about the kings of Israel. But he's still in the line of David, so he's still in God's covenant. So, um, yeah, so the other two countries say, hey, come into an alliance with us because we're afraid of the Assyrians. And Ahaz says no. So these guys are like, well, then we're probably coming after you. And Ahaz is afraid that they're going to come attack him. So Israel comes to Ahaz when he's totally freaking out that he's going to get attacked by somebody. Um, He's paid homage to the Assyrians, emptied out the temple, emptied out the treasury. Um, So they come wanting an alliance, and he says, no. So he's afraid they're going to attack. Yeah. So he's at the aqueducts waiting to see if everything's good in case they were attacked. And Isaiah comes to him, and he says, don't worry. Don't be concerned. It's not going to happen. He says, you need to stand firm in your faith in the Lord. And Ahaz doesn't. He chooses not to. Um, and even, but even though um, Ahaz has chosen not to stand in what the, the word of the Lord is to him, God's still, covenant is still faithful to Ahaz. He still remains faithful to him because he's made a covenant with David. And I feel like um, that, <clears throat> excuse me, obedience of God lets us, invites us to let go of this realm of concern, but we don't always do it like Ahaz. Ahaz chose to carry this concern And it tortured him like he was mentally just wrecked. And all he had to do was receive the word of the Lord. And I feel like that's what the Lord is calling us into. Just receive the word of the Lord over the situations and over the things that you are facing. So last week I was really excited. I was really excited to come to church. There were people I wanted to connect with. I showered. I curled my hair. Stay-at-home moms, I put on pants with a button and a zipper. 
Like, I was ready to go. My kids were clean, dressed, their shoes matched their outfit. Like, I was ready to go. Um, we load the kids in the car. Seth was le- my husband, Seth, not Seth Putnam, the other Seth, was leading the first song, so I wanted to come and be there for that. Um, and I get in the car, load the kids in, buckle it up, and go to start the car, and it does not start. I'm like, oh, I'm, the Lord wants me there. I'm dressed. My kids are, it's the house of the Lord. Come on. So I try. I keep trying. And then finally, I put the gas all the way down, crank that sucker. She starts. I'm like, glory, Jesus. He helped me. So we are trucking down the road to church. We're on powers. And um, all of a sudden, my car, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, oh, oh, no. Look at the indicators. And it says, low oil pressure. Turn off the engine. And I'm like, huh. So I call Seth. He's like, it's countdown. He's like so, he's distracted, you know, tuning his guitar. And I said, hey, I got this indicator. Should I go home? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You probably need to take the car home and not keep going. And I was like, man, but I'm already past Woodman. I'm already like halfway here almost. (laughs) So I text and I was like, so do you think the engine will explode? I seriously, do you think the engine will explode or will it just stop? And he's like, it probably won't explode. But he didn't see, turn off the engine. He didn't catch that part, right? So I'm coming to church and ding, ding. And I'm like, oh, like the closer I get them, I'm like, I probably, I have to get home. Oh, like it's all like coming to me. And I feel like this is what, like obedience isn't meant to be hard for us. Friends, God wants us to hear him even more than we want to hear him. When we turn our hearts and our minds towards him, he is ready to speak to us. He is ready to speak to you at where you're at. Amen. He has, he gives us indicators, right? Uh, He gives us indicators. God is more than able to, and desires to speak to you in ways you can hear. If you are turned towards him, he will give us those indicators. Sometimes in life, like Ahaz and like my drive to church, we want to ignore the signs God is giving us, disobeying or dishearing, because we have put our own desires or the stories we have in our mind, we've built in our heads, ahead of God's voice and God's story, rather than trusting and obeying the voice of God as our place of freedom. Amen? Amen. So obedience doesn't always look like productivity. Like I mentioned about the 50 pieces of blue sky. But God, again, we need to look at the bigger picture and know what God sees. Radical does not mean more obedient. When I sit at home playing magna tiles with my kids, giving them eye contact, letting them know mom's here and I'm caring for their needs, This is productivity, even though it may not look like it to the CEO of Apple or something else, right? When I sit in stillness before the Lord, just reminding myself that he is present with me in the moments that are ahead, this is productivity in the realm of the kingdom. The kingdom's commodity, the kingdom's idea of uh, productivity and what matters and relevance should be contrary to what we see in the world. Amen? So... Um, I can know this, and as, as I know God and know his ways, I am learning to decipher his voice apart from the noise and culture that tries to engulf me. Obedience positions us for God's rest as we choose to lean on God's word and not our own striving. Obedience positions us in God's blessing. As we read in James chapter 1, we'll go back there, verse 25, it said, But the one who looks intently to the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer 
who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. As we use our complete, full, creative powers to serve the Lord and what he tells us to do, no matter what that is, God's going to bless us. You don't have to be afraid of lack or that there's not going to be enough if you're doing what he says. Amen. Ahaz purposefully used his power to self-preserve, which, as it often does, simply led to his demise, not his blessing. However, despite the short-term or not-so-short-term pain that it caused that generation, as we see in Isaiah 7, God still fulfilled his covenant. He ended Ahaz's dumb response by saying, you know, you're really trying my patience, but you know what? I'm so patient. Let me just tell you that a virgin will be born, and she will bring Emmanuel, and I'm going to complete my covenant to you still, you know, even though you're kind of being an idiot. From Ahaz's line, the line of David, came the Messiah. After Ahaz rejects the sign from God, um, yes, God tells him that this covenant still will be fulfilled. So if you are in a place where the concerns of this life have caused you to lose sight of his big story or your role with him in it, I want you to know his covenant will not fail. If you're in a place where you're like, you know what, I haven't really been, I've just been trying to be a good person. I've been trying to do my best. I encourage you, seek the face of Jesus. Know who he is. Lean into that atonement that he has given you and then allow him to speak to you and use what you learn and what you know of who he is. Amen? Just as Isaiah told Ahaz to stand firm in his faith, we can stand firm on the only foundation worth standing on, Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, I have one last scripture I want to get to before we end today, and that is Philippians chapter 2, one of my very favorite chapters. Okay, so on verse 5, it starts out, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and we had, when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus obeyed the Father, and where did he go, man? He went to the place of great, great sacrifice. It's important to know that obeying God often leads us to painful places because those painful places are the places that need the presence of God. They need the answers of the kingdom. They need your creative force entering those areas. (laughs) Some of us, some of us, (laughs) spend so much time watching like Netflix documentaries or these Netflix shows about people in hurting and painful places when God's probably really called you to step out of Netflix, let's fast y'all, and go down the street to those people who are hurting and in pain and to really be an answer to the problems, not just fill our minds with them constantly. Amen? Oh, so it is a joy to be poured out for Christ. Uh, let's go ahead and read on. It says in verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do nothing without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless and a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing for myself, 
But for even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So we find peace in the place of obedience, guys. Obey, yeah, we find peace in this place. As we pour ourselves out for Christ, we can still find peace. As we've learned, talked about today, we can still find rest in this place of obedience. And as we come to Christ, we find endless grace because of the covenantal promise that we have in Christ Jesus through God, right? One last encouragement. Um, as uh, One last encouragement. So I did say Philippians was my last one, but I'm sorry, it's not. I'd like to read just real quickly a very common scripture, popular scripture, so you probably heard it, and that's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, and I'm reading this um, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I like what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. It's simple, guys. We're called to hear him and trust what he says, and he's going to make your path straight. I would much rather live my life trying to hear the voice of the Lord and do what he says and miss it than not try at all or to try to live my own life and my own strength. That's, that's empty. That, that'll burn away, right? Yeah. Amen. So maybe this morning you feel like the concerns and the voices of the world have been dictating your direction. As we come to the table this morning, I want to invite you to leave your concerns at the cross and recenter yourself on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here and you're at a, at a place in your life where you have a big decision to make. I want to invite you to take that to the table as well. Our answers aren't going to be coming from striving. They're going to be coming out of that relationship that we have with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you know of something that God has called you to do. And maybe it's radical. Or maybe it's like sticking to the mundane things that he's called you to. But you've had trouble listening to the indicators. As we come to the table today, I want to invite you to ask God what is causing you to hesitate to act. You guys can come forward whenever you're ready. Maybe the Lord wants to show you things in your life that are blocking you from walking in obedience. Is that Netflix series? No, I'm just kidding. Maybe, I guess. As we receive communion, I dare you to give these things to Jesus and allow him to bring you freedom. So if you guys want to stand with me this morning, we're going to come out on our left side, uh, receive the elements and return on the left side, um, and we'll all take the elements together.